Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Coming up this week, we're going to take your questions on Facebook. We're also going to ask what the hell is going on over at Ohana. All that plus this week's Roundtable Rapid Fire coming up next. From the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida, this is the Diz Unplugged. This is the Diz Unplugged, episode 989 for the week of April 24th, 2018. The Diz Unplugged is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Coming to you from the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida, I'm your host, Pete Warner, joined at the table this week by my good friends, Steve Porter. Hello. Charles Boda. Hey, folks. Rhino Clavin. Hello. Corey Martin. I'm just happy to be here. And back in the production nook, our producer, Mr. Craig Williams. Hello. And uh, this week, folks, this is a pre-recorded show because uh, several of us are uh, out in going to be out in Disneyland. If you're watching this, we are probably in Disneyland, and you probably are not. Um, so we're actually recording this. We leave Sunday. Uh, we're recording this the Friday before. Mm-hmm. And absolutely crap news stories to deal with. I, I really and truly this week. So, um, But a show was just recorded Tuesday. <clears throat> right. So I just did a show to, three days ago. Yeah. <clears throat> and, but no, even then, I mean, we were having a problem with, uh, mm. with news stories. So we thought we'd do something a little different. We put something out on Facebook to ask questions of the team. And Steve is going to go through those in a little bit. And uh, we're going to talk about that. Um, uh, just, uh, you know, in housekeeping, uh, just to remind everybody, check out our shows, disunplugged.com. You get the whole slate of our shows from this one to uh, the Universal show to connecting with Walt, uh, the best and worst of Walt Disney World, the Disney Dining Show. All of that can be found over on disunplugged.com. And uh, we are making a concerted effort to get people to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're close to hitting our goal of 100,000 subscribers. So if you can head over to youtube.com slash disunplugged and show your support just by hitting that subscribe button for us, I would appreciate it. Greg would appreciate it. Rhino would appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charles, not so much. He doesn't care. I um, really, really don't. But um, <laughs> the rest of us do. And uh, yeah, and you'll get notified, right? They get notified when we put new stuff up, when they subscribe. And- if you hit the bell button, too. So not only do you have to subscribe, but then if you see a little bell, that's an alert bell. And that alerts you. To new videos. Yeah. So there's that. There's that from the, <laughs> Not the beast button. The unkempt man <laughs> in the back uh, giving you that little tip. Um, it's 420. <laughs> <be> 420. <laughs> Green shirt. No, it's 424. <laughs> oh, that's right. Um, yeah, we're recording this on 420, so the jokes are. And if you don't know why that's a joke, Google it. I'm not going into it. Um, it's Hitler's birthday. Yeah, if, if, the, if your celebration is Hitler's birthday, you should also just chill out. Is it really Hitler's birthday? It yeah. is. Not fun fact about yeah. 420 is, yeah, it's also. Hey, that, was a, that, that was not why I think it's a joke. I had no idea. Um, there's another reason. But anyway, the, the anyway other- we're moving on. We're moving on. Um. There was something else I wanted to mention in housekeeping, but I... I don't know. It's, you forget. <laughs> because of... <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. Not anymore. Um, anybody have anything for housekeeping? I do not. No. I don't think so. No. Oh, I, I would say uh, follow along on Sunday for the 20th anniversary. Me and Corey will be that there. That was two days that ago, was two Steve. Days. Come on, Steve. Oh, I am so um, I hope you followed along <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> I have my days confused. Hope um, you like what we put out. Yeah. <laughs> now, you know, it's just let, let's just chat about that for a second. Um, it's, uh, it was 20 years ago, April 1st that John and I moved down here. Um, I think John's job with Disney started March 1st of 98. And so he was very new working for Disney at that point. And one of the first things I did coming down here was to get to go to the media event 
at uh, or the cast member preview it was. It was the cast member nice. preview. But we also got to go to the media event, not because of the Diz, but because John, I think, was working the media event and he got to invite somebody. So I, me- I remember seeing like Drew Carey there. Wolfgang Puck was there. Uh, it was really, really cool. But that was like my first, like within the first few weeks of moving here, it was like, wow, that's how, you know, wow, this is what life is going to be like living in Florida. <laughs> um, but it's hard to believe it's been 20 years. Yeah, it really is. Has Animal Kingdom made the kind of progress you thought it would make in 20 years? Is it a different enough park now than it was when it opened? I didn't go until 2007, so it's been doing great over the last 10 years for me, or 11 years, whatever. I would say if you think about uh, Hollywood Studios just recently in the past three years or however long uh, had its... It may have been four years at this point, but had its 25th anniversary. And I think about the park that Hollywood Studios was at its 25th anniversary uh, versus what Animal Kingdom's at for its 20th. Yeah, good point. And not that Hollywood Studios was bad because that was kind of before everything was starting to close and uh, Backlot Tour was gone and, and, you know, all of that mess back there. But uh, that park still wasn't perfect at that 25th but animal kingdom while there's still room for improvement there's always room for improvement in disney parks i i think it's in a great place at its 20th anniversary if, what if, it was then if pandora hadn't been added but even before then that you know expedition everest they didn't open with that so that was that, that was a great addition yeah they didn't to open that part. with any of asia no, if I remember correctly, no. yeah. So I, I, you know, I, I love Pandora. It's beautiful, but I was also one of those weirdos who also enjoyed Camp Mickey Minnie, even though it was nothing except, really, for Festival of the Lion King. Yeah, but that but, was that was up until the restraining order. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean it's cool. So it's cool. Twenty years, twenty years for Animal Kingdom. Always that just brings me back to oh sorry so steve um let me ask you a question about this past sunday what'd you think of the weather oh i don't remember <laughs> it was good i thought i thought it, it was everything i expected oh yeah <laughs> it was only bad because we had literally just gotten done saying about how we're re- pre-recording right. this on, on friday it's gonna be past present and future show for me i'm just gonna keep throwing it around all right all right so um I, I wanted to talk about this thread I saw on the boards, on our, our, our Disney Restaurants Forum on Disboards.com. It was started by uh, Happy Grape, is her name. And uh, she posted, just for fun, what meal did you enjoy most and least during your last trip? Um, and so I started reading through the responses, and this disturbing trend started to emerge. Um, the number of people saying that Ohana was the worst meal oh my. on their most recent trip. So one person writes, always one of our favorites, but it was not good. It seemed understaffed. They were just too busy to take care of their tables, and the food was dry. It was an overall bad experience. Um, uh, you know, we have a number of people mentioning Chef Mickey, but that's not a surprise. Um, Ohana, we haven't been in years, and everyone thought the food had gone way downhill. The waiter was slow in bringing the skewers as well. Uh, probably our last trip there. Um, and this, this like again, Ohana, hmm. the smoke from the grill made my husband really sick. Um, server was rude. Uh, food was cold. Um, it, it is people, people taking people saying that multiple people report that it was about 40 or 45 minutes after the time of their ADR before they were seated. Oh, wow. So seeing a lot of people comment on this, this takes me by surprise. Now, I haven't been over to Ohana in about a year. We have gone ahead and set up a dining review mm-hmm. for after we get back from California because I really do want to check out because Ohana's been, uh, Ohana's kind of followed this this pattern of being really good and then going into a slump and then coming back and going. So I wonder if we're now in the slump, you know, the dark ages mm-hmm. with I, Ohana. I have a love hate uh, with all you can eat. I love it because I'm gluttonous and I just want to, I want to mm-hmm. crawl out of there. Um, to, I, I, the reason I hate some places is because of the, 
the quality is so hit or miss. Mm-hmm. It really is. I mean, like I love Texas de Brazil. It's they're pretty consistent yeah. on the food you get. The salad bar is always wonderful. The uh, this is all property. I think it's a chain. I think they're everywhere. I think so too. Yeah. Um, but you know, I go there. It's consistent. But I don't think I've been to Hana in like two years. But I, I remember last time. It's um, I think it was. I think the shrimp it was like very it was very overcooked. I mean, I could barely just they could barely uh, get. Now the last few fewer. times we've eaten there, it's been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It's been phenomenal. I was just there in January, and it was I would say middle of the road. The company that I was with was awesome, so that always uh, brings you out of a better shell when you're at a restaurant. But uh, we did have the issue. I think it was about. 30 or so minutes after our ADR, which I am, that's always at Ohana. It doesn't matter if it's for breakfast or dinner. You're never getting sat. Because you'll get campers. You know, I'm a camper at a buffet. The only time I think I've ever gotten sat immediately was if you show up to one of the earliest breakfast reservations or if you show up to like the earliest dinner reservation. But when they first open. Exactly. When they first open, yeah. Otherwise, you know, especially if your reservation's anywhere around fireworks time, people are just going to sit in camp and wait for those fireworks. Uh, So the the experience did take a lot longer uh, just to get sat. The first thing you know that's great about Ohana dinner is when you walk past and they grab your fresh bread for you and you get all excited about that bread. And in our case, we walked past, we saw the bread, and then they just never brought it over they didn't grab it right away it didn't come to our table the entire time and it was about like halfway through the meal when we're all starting to sit there and like you know that bread would have really been good if we would have got it but uh then that happened and you know all the i i would say all the food that's made back in the kitchen is still as good the salad the the um the noodles then uh, all the you know, the, the normal stuff, the wings, those are all excellent. But then the meat skewers, that's where it was very, very hit or miss. Uh, the meat, even though you can ask for what temperature you want, it seemed like it was either it was going to come out well done or it was going to come out completely rare. Like on a cruise. And yeah, it was <laughs> it was just very all over the place. The shrimp, I yeah, shrimp, shrimp, but uh, the steak was just all just kind of a mess and a lot of really fatty disgusting pieces uh the the quality of the food didn't seem as high as it has been before uh so yeah it was at the end of the day i ate enough that i felt like i got my money's worth out of the meal but i i wouldn't i it has deterred me from going back there again it was it was kind of a mess and i think that's just what ohana has become okay with it's, they know people are still going to show up, even if they don't bring their A game. Well, that. you know, but this is, and we, we and, and again, I'm not kind of going to compare Ohana with uh, California Grill. But, you know, we always say about California Grill, it could absolutely, you know, to some degree, from a business standpoint, get away with resting on their laurels in that view. But they never do. So if California Grill is not doing that, then Ohana has no business doing it either. But there's with, sorry, one more thing about that. The thing the difference between a California grill and Ohana is California grill uh, those servers at the end of the day they can walk away making a massive amount of money because they are working in a fine dining establishment at a place like Ohana where the servers are getting there not to the same way as like a place like hoopty do where gratuity is like already included but at a place like ohana when they're only slinging drinks and you know occasionally bringing the food and the skewers to the table i think they're a little bit more okay being relaxed because they know that it's not the same as a fine dining experience right and i'm not expecting the service to necessarily be the same as a fine dining experience but when we're talking about you know a lot of these people are reporting cold food Mm -hmm. um that's a different story um so i think there's a there's a difference too where if you look okay uh california grill has recently amped it up a little bit right um a lot of that has to do with staff changes at the higher level and chef changes and things like that when you come into a buffet environment regardless of how good it is, I think there's more math than creativity that goes into it. So if you're working at a signature restaurant where you're sitting there and you're, cha- you're changing the menu and you're offering new things, and even the staff gets into that, even, even with, even with the, the quality of service you get, you'll notice that people get amped up and excited about those differences. Um, 
buffets, no matter how good they are, when you work at them, I think a lot of people have more of a uh, um, assembly line attitude as far as the way the, the restaurant goes. So those management changes and everything, a lot of it comes down to math and the numbers and how to make the most profit and less about getting really amped about creating a name for your signature restaurant with a new menu um, and the staff, therefore, it's like, okay, your job is pr very similar. It's people go to a buffet, people come back. There, there's less creative diversity. Well, I also wonder if this isn't, uh, if, if there isn't an issue going on with just food and beverage in general at the Polynesian. Uh, before the mm -hmm. trip to Italy, we had a listener lunch uh, at Kona Cafe, and I was stunned at how bad it was. Yeah. I mean, it was a terrible meal. So, and Kona Cafe had always been you know, I had it been a little while since I'd been there, but it had always been really good. It was always one of those places that, you know, if I thought about going there, I'm like, oh, yeah, that'll be a good a good meal. So I was really disappointed. That new chef, new chef in the last six months um, and really disappointed with how bad it was. And now I'm hearing this about Ohana. So I wonder, you know, it could just be a thing. The number of people mentioning it tells me it's not a one-off. It tells me that there might be something systemic going on at the restaurant, but it also might be something systemic going on at food and beverage at the Polynesian. Uh, we know what Disney does. We know what Disney does. They always look to scratch out as much profit as possible. They will go into a restaurant that's doing well and figure out how to cut costs and raise prices. In restaurants, that almost always involves affecting the quality of the food. Um, service is another issue. Service is another issue. So, um, intrigued at the thought of, of checking this place out. Um, <clears throat> so, let me ask this question. Because um, now Steve, Charles, and I normally do the Disney Dining Show. Mm -hmm. And these type of topics come up kind of regularly for us, but uh, with Rhino, Corey, and Craig, not so much. So let me ask you three, um, what is your favorite, what do you think is the best and worst restaurant at Walt Disney World right now? Mm, Based well, that, on your experience. Well, that's pretty, you know, it, it's hard for me to say that. I mean, I, I can tell you our go-tos as a family when we go. Um, What's your favorite? Well, I, I'm a sushi fanatic, so I right, usually I usually go with sushi. I usually go to uh, Tokyo Dining one with the view, and also there uh, that the kids enjoy it, and we were able to you know halfway through. Now, I'm not saying that's the best sushi, but for us as a family, we enjoy it um, as a family. The worst, uh, I, like I'm gonna have to think about it. Let's start with best. I'll, I'll think of you go with your best. Well, I, I mean, my my favorite is Hoopty Doo Review because I I like the food. I know it's simple and it's not like the menu ever changes, but it's simple. I feel like it's more or less consistently good, and I like the show and the atmosphere. And it's not something I would normally like like that, like the dinner show or anything like that, because I'm on the Charles side of things, where like people asking me to start doing things makes me. My anxiety go through the roof. There's um, room for you over here, buddy. Yeah, Glad to have so, you with us. So we can sit in the shadows and dine together. <laughs> but I, I, I just I like that a lot. Um, and yeah, I'm with, I'm with you. I can't. I don't know that I have one that I'm like, oh, I went there and I just hated it that I can think of off the top of my head right now. I mean, I'm trying to think of things when when we go. That, you know, there is nothing on the menu that the kids will eat. And so that, well, and, that also, and I understand, I understand putting it quality of food. I'm not, I'm, and I understand putting it through the filter of you know the family experience. But I'm asking you personally, just you, what place do you really love to eat, and what place have you just don't like? Okay, I'll have to think about it because usually when I go, I'm, you know, I'm either picking up something fast on the go. I, I just, I don't. Um, I, I will tell you. Okay, I will tell you where I won't go. Um, I won't go to. Um, uh, in Mexico, uh, the uh, what's uh, I'm having a that, uh, um, yeah I won't go there. We have mm -hmm. great we have great Mexican food places around our uh, our house that we go to. I, I will avoid that. I won't go there because it's bad. So I just just won't go. What about you, Craig? Favorite? Uh, here's the deal with me. I don't gen. I genuinely I don't like eating on property. It's but I understand that. Uh, 
you know, for this purposes that I have to choose some. So the only thing that the past couple times I've been that's can, been consistently uh, worth the price is Homecoming, as we'll talk about on another dining show, I think, uh, later on this week. We get into it a little bit more, but I, th I think that's genuinely the best uh, the best food you'll get for the price point that it's at. And so. I'll tell you this, like when Julie and I went on a date to Disney Springs, we I've had mixed experiences at STK, but when we went I've and, we, heard that and, too, and, yeah. and when we we dined there together, we had a great experience. We were they were very attentive. You know, they did, they did the wine pairing for us, and then I walked away going, "Wow, that, that was awesome." Julie was like, "Let's come back. This mm -hmm. was this was really great." They brought several wines for us to try, and you know. It, we had a great experience. It's hard to experience it at like a media event when you're getting a little taste of this or that. But going on a date, that, that was a nice. Now, it's, it's pricey, but you know what you're getting into. I mean, you just look at, look at the prices. Don't walk out like with sticker shock. Um, but we, we had a good time there. I think Morimoto Asia for me too. I really enjoy that. Like if if you were gonna say I'm gonna take somebody out and like either on a date or like on, um, <clears throat> you know, somebody's in town and they're like, oh, let's go to a nice restaurant on Disney. Like I I think that would kind of be like my okay. Well, you don't want to do hoop to do. You want something a little more lower key. Like I really enjoy <laughs> it has that Morimoto. wow factor. Yeah, you yeah. walk in the buildings, beautiful. Yeah, um, the food is. I feel like it's kind of all over the map in terms of like Asian food, which I appreciate. You got ramen, you got the the bimi bop, and um, the like. You you can do the duck. I I like the desserts. I like even just the bar food and the drinks are really cool and kind of different. And I feel like you are getting what you pay for there. I I'm gonna feel bad about saying the one the the one I don't like because well, right. well we're gonna eat there tonight. That's the problem. <laughs> so like I am not a fan of Italian food at restaurants period unless we were in Italy and it was delicious everywhere but in Italy it feels like you got a grandmother that's hiding behind a door somewhere bringing you out this food that she like poured her heart and soul into and I think something kind of gets lost in translation with that not just at Disney I just mean in my experience in in dining at Italian restaurants period and so like I don't it doesn't it's always I always want it to be at that level not like necessarily Italy level but at like Give grandma me a hint. is it at a resort or a theme park it's Trattoria El Forno. Yeah. Um, it's, it's oh, I don't need a hint anymore. But I would never tell somebody, oh, this is a bad place. It's just, it's one I, of the ones that I think for me, it doesn't, I don't, there's just something about it that it, it, I want to connect with it more than I do. And I think that's probably the it, issue. It might be the optimist in me, but I know, it's funny. Uh, I don't <laughs> think there's genuinely any <laughs> yes, bad. I didn't know there was an optimist <laughs> in you. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any genuinely bad places at Walt Disney World from what I've had. It's just yeah. Really? Go, go eat at Boat Rides. I, go eat at Boat Rides I, and then come back and tell I me think, there's no genuinely bad places at Disney I World. I don't think there's any. I think it's bad choices. Uh, it's. I made you watch it, the callback to the Lobster Diner on SNL. It's. There, there are some places you go to and you just know you're making a bad choice ahead of time when you say, oh, you know what? That does sound good tonight. I'll go with that. It, sometimes you just have to really look at a menu, study it, and be like, okay, when four people what's the eat one a meal, when, when four people eat a meal and they're all having something different and they all report it was bad, um, that's a pretty good indication. <laughs> that's not a good – especially when the restaurant – has consistently delivered that experience, and not just to you, but to several other people, that's a pretty good indication that that restaurant may not be very good. I, I, I think what I, Craig's saying, like it's about choices. Like when I see like what's available and what's not, a lot of times what's available is that you know people have made better choices. I, I have I have just thought of another like wait. So uh, if you have a bad dish, it's your fault for choosing it, not the no, restaurant's maybe, fault for no, serving maybe it. Maybe because it's the only thing available. Um, yeah. did, did I say it the wrong wait, way? Wait, because they only have one dish on the menu. Okay, but, I'll also if, say it this way: if like there, Rhino tonight, he's not he's probably going to walk away not liking anything that he had. I don't know. He'll that enjoy for something. Sure. I'm going to be open-minded. But he's. It's also we're forcing him to go to a restaurant that he's not into at a hundred percent. If we took him somewhere where he's in the mood to go, perhaps he'd enjoy it more. And sometimes I think that's the problem no, with Disney. I, you make those I know reservations. You can always get a, saying. a reservation at Boat Rides. I, I do think that maybe, and that's why I'm open-minded <laughs> about we're going tonight, that I'm like, okay, it's fine. I've really only been there like one or two other times, and I think it was I made a decision. I understand, like, and I was like, I got a fish one time, and it was very bony, and it wasn't, it wasn't as good as it should have been. And so 
I, tonight, I'm going to make different decisions, and we'll see. Yeah, but there's a there's a thing here, though, and I'm sorry, but boat rights proves that you guys are wrong. Um, me personally, and I think actually, I think all of us, because Disney restaurants do change their dynamic, and some of them do ebb and flow as far as getting better or worse. Yeah. Um, you know, when we do the dining shows, we try and go in with an open mind, but f- most of these, it's my first time going. Right. I've uh, I live locally. So even when I used to go to the parks regularly, I never ate on property because that's expensive and a waste of money. You just eat at home where you bring some stuff with us at the time. Um, Now I eat on property. Most of most of the times it's my first time and I don't have a lot of baggage. So when I went to boat rights, like bread service and getting like that initial smoothie and stuff, I was more than willing to really love boat rights. And I got something that I thought played to what the restaurant says it is and the style mm-hmm. that they were cooking. So it should be it it should be one of their yeah. signature dishes. And the thing is, like, they had so many problems with it. And as a paying customer, it is not my job to do detective work to figure out what's good and bad. It, if it, most of your food is bad, uh, and then and most people say that most of your food is bad. And I won't knock them for service. Service was great. But if most people say most of your food is bad, and I go to your place, and your food is bad, and all of my friends go to your place, and your food is bad, your food is bad, and that's not... <laughs> and you're really, a bad restaurant, yeah, because a restaurant's supposed to serve, it, it, wait for it, food. Well, it, okay? It, it, let me tell you, like, my, like, I choose not to go to boat rights for a very Good specific choice. reason, is because I'm from... Because it sucks. I'm from Louisiana. <laughs> so I'm not going to put myself into that... Um, that environment where I know I'm just going to be disappointed. All right, but I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second. You're from Louisiana. You're from New Orleans. You know what good, authentic, Cajun, New Orleans cuisine is. This is a Disney restaurant that, by the way, is not inexpensive. And it is one of my favorite resorts. Right, it is. So, don't you think with Disney's price point mm-hmm. with their reputation for attention to detail and going above and beyond. Don't you think the fact that you are from Louisiana and you do know what constitutes good, new, authentic Louisiana, New Orleans cooking, don't you think that should be, you should be able to go in there and judge that and say, you know what? This does not meet the mark. Isn't that what we're supposed to do here? Look, so to say there are no bad restaurants is insane. Well, I, because I was going back to the choices. <laughs> and, and sometimes people get have no choice staying at that resort. You're just kind of stuck there. You know, if you know you, you don't want to take the bus or transportation somewhere else, mm-hmm. you, you just you're stuck with what's in the lobby. You can have you know tapas in the in the you know in the bar area. You can go to the, the food court, which I think that food court is great, by the way. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, boat, but boat rights. You know, you sometimes you just don't want to eat in the food court for mm-hmm. five days in a row. Um, yeah, I look. I'm very picky when it comes to food, um, especially where it's where it's from. It now. Some people love it. Some people love boat rights because they've never had Louisiana food. Well, like, oh, this is awesome. And and, look, uh, and you know, there are there are differing opinions on whether a restaurant is is good or bad. But and I'm not going to say someone who likes boat rights is wrong. If that if you like if you've had I good might. Ex- if you've had, <laughs> if you've had good experiences and that's a place you like, then no, you're not wrong. Um, I go by a my experience plus. The feedback I hear from multiple people, whether it's on Facebook or on social media, on the boards or anecdotally, as I kind of go about my my life in this job, um, I can kind of say, all right, you know what? This restaurant, consistently not good. Boat rights, there's a very small list of them at, at Disney World, to be, to be sure. It's not a long list, but boat rights is absolutely on that list consistently for years. And I, I, I choose to blame the restaurant and its food and beverage manager and its chef rather than the people choosing things off the menu, making bad choices. And, um, and, and I will tell you why they do it wrong is because when we ate there, it was uh, the Yeehaw Bob Night. It's one of our Diz events. Mm-hmm. Was it the 20th? It was a Diz Unplugged event or a Diz event. It was one of them. We have so many. But it was we ate there before. And and I asked the uh, the server, and he said they kind of tone a lot of the spices down because 
well, you know, a lot of people don't like spicy. Well, mm-hmm. you, you're not going to do that in New Orleans. Yeah. You know, you're not going to. Yeah. Then you, you don't order the spicy You just thing. don't order it. Yeah. So I think, you know, when I have to say, look, bring all these spices to the table, mm-hmm. not just salt, pepper, not yeah. just hot sauce, but like spices. Mm-hmm. Um, they do it because they try to tone it down for, you know, people, for whoever is not used mm-hmm. to it. And, and that's just don't have a, don't have a, a Cajun or Creole type dish if, if that's what you got to do. But yeah. I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> it's hard to improve on yeah. that if you're not going to make it truly yeah. authentic. Well, the um, I think you know for the seven and seven I did uh, Riverside and um, uh, French Quarter, and uh, my girlfriend visited me, and she is from Louisiana, lived for Nor- in New Orleans for like three to five years, something like that, um, and she's also a professional chef. So I had to give her lots of caveats before feeding her anything mm-hmm. there, um, which was generally, okay, honey, I want you to understand, you know, the resort is meant to be the theme park version of these places. It's idyllic. It's a imagine, imaginative thing trying to capture the essence, but without the smell of, like, I don't know, urine and crime, like, everywhere. <laughs> like, um, That's only doing Mardi Gras. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> but, um, also, no, you know, like... Uh, Friday. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but the thing is, when it came to the food, you know, we stopped by the quick service, and I gave, like, I ordered some gumbo, and I, I gave her some and everything. And she was able to make an objective decision, right? You know, okay, well, for what you paid... And for what you're expecting, this is decent gumbo. Like, I, it makes sense that people will pay this. Mm-hmm. It's not gumbo, in my knowledge of it, but it's it's good. You can make those objective decisions, but the thing is, like, you know, you take a, a place like Boatwrights, and even if, I mean, everything is, it's too mild, and those dishes don't work with those flavors and everything. And I'm, I don't just want to harp on Boatwrights, because it feels like I'm starting to do that. But the thing is, it is an example of the fact that Disney does some things right, it does some things it does most things on a scale and occasionally it does things pretty wrong. It's, just right. Yeah. And it's also one thing that our group in general has to always remember. Uh, sometimes it is different for us when we get these, because if we go out, we know we're doing stuff in the name of work or with that. I've had meals with Rhino where as much as I like Rhino, it's I'm doing it with him. But if I knew I was with Kylie, It'd be a complete different situation. I went and had a good time on a cruise with Corey, but it's not the exact same feeling as when I'm with my wife. That that was a really romantic time when I'm on a cruise with her with Corey. I thought you were going to say we still Corey. managed to have <laughs> yeah, with Corey. We managed to have fun, but it's not the same the same actual experience. So that also has to always be remembered too. Is I'm not going to feel the same way doing something with Rhino as I am with my wife. Mm-hmm. I, I a lot of times she brings that positive out of me where Rhino wants me. He want, makes me want to just. Uh, I'm not going there, but well, I, it's I, a good well, thing to remember. I'm just going to say I I don't I agree with you, Pete. There are bad restaurants and there are Disney World. I don't think I've had an experience that says sit with me where I'm like that was terrible. I wouldn't go back there again. That's what go I'm to saying. Boat when I say. Well, um. The the yeah I I mean some quick service places but not a sit down I've I've had somewhere I'm like oh hit or miss but no. I mean and another one that you know it, I I haven't been back since it's changed over but it was uh, um, over at the yacht club uh, yeah, Captain's Grill oh um, yeah. before it changed over uh, mm-hmm. when I mean just atrocious yeah atrocious and again you know it doesn't mean that these things can't get better which is why we go back and do them again because okay let's check it out i mean uh, you know that night i went into boat rights i went in with an open mind i was pulling for it to be good i was really pulling for it to be good and i was looking for it to be good and with the appetizers i'm like okay this is good this oh yay then our main courses came i was like oh my god this is a train wreck some some things are better depending on what you're going for and where you're going for it too, and that kind of goes in with your guys' choices thing. Like when we did when we did a Edison review, we did it at lunchtime, and it was it had some cool elements, but it was kind of underwhelming in a lot of different categories. About and they changed some things on the menu, but I went there. I want to say within a week afterwards to meet a friend from out of town and meet my brother and my friend's uh, uh, fiance, maybe wife fiance i think but um the four of us sat at one of those nice black leather chairs and it was at night they were drinking cocktails and we ordered some appetizers and it was awesome and i had a great time because it 
I different don't, environment. I, I, yeah, I don't feel it's necessary at the time. It wasn't necessarily a lunch place, but going back late afternoon, early evening. Um, the the cocktails and appetizers and everything like that, the food, it was a completely different environment, and I was with a completely different company. Yeah. So well, it, you, it right. was a phenomenal time. But I the really whole point, enjoyed it. The whole point of doing a dining review mm-hmm. is, can the restaurant hold up when you are focused on the food, when yeah. you are focused on that, on the, on the flavors, when you are focused on the presentation, when you are focused on the preparation? Um that's what a dining review yeah. should be. When you know, no. When I'm going, just going now. Okay, to some degree, my brain is now wired to do that mm-hmm. every time I go anywhere to eat, um, or any time I walk into a hotel because I've reviewed so many of them for so many years that the minute I walk into a hotel room, there are like five things that my eyes just immediately go to that most people wouldn't. But I also know, you know, that's how my standards are. That's how my standards are judged. And I'll, t- I'll tell you this, how, how two ve- the same place, two very different experiences, uh, Skipper Canteen, for example, mm-hmm. um, going there with um, when we first went as a team, I enjoyed the meal there. I thought it was great. I'm like, this is beautiful. This is awesome. I can drink alcohol in the Magic Kingdom. We went there with the family. Mm-hmm. Um, one, it was hot outside. It was the only thing available. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Um, Mom and dad need a glass of wine. We enjoyed our meal. Kids, nothing for them. That changed our entire experience sure. of, that, of that restaurant. Now, and, and I'm like, oh, we're going to love it. We're going to love it, kids. We're going to love it. It's awesome. Um, ma'am, can I have a second glass of wine, please? Our kids aren't <laughs> eating. Now we have to go to a, um, you know, a fast food place, which right. we did. So we, we enjoyed our meals. We ended up going get a chicken finger somewhere well i just want to bring it back to what you said to bring it back to ohana you said something about environment and so if we bring it full circle here back to what we started talking about which was ohana i have always thought that the 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 shining thing about ohana is i i know the polynesian is a beautiful resort and the view at certain times is great because if you hit it just right you can see the fireworks out of the back window of ohana but ohana as far as environment goes it's just tables with a lot of people so Mm -hmm. the 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 shining thing in that restaurant should be the food. The focal point should yeah. be the it, that restaurant. Does there's no walls to it. It's just an open area. It's very, you know. I I know it's themed because it's there. But I always think like I don't care about any of that other stuff because the food's always been so good. So now if you slip on that, then what is the point of even going there? All right. So <clears throat> that's that's good for that. Um, now, folks, you are. We're going to have a little bit of an awkward edit here because I didn't use the restroom before we started this show, and since we're not going out live, I'm going to take the opportunity to go run and do that. So it's going to be a little awkward edit. I want you to understand why. Be right back. Okay, so I'm back. Um, we're going to go to uh, some questions that uh, got posted on Facebook for a little Q and A, which we haven't done in eons. All right. So what do you got? All right. So Zach asks, uh, with Star Wars, the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge coming and the hotel and all the excitement for Star Wars, uh, they're asking how long they should wait after it opens for the crowds to start dying down. What do they think? How long people should wait? I I personally feel free to disagree. Um, But if, if that's... What you're going for, waiting for the crowds to die down. I'll just point out that Pandora opened when? Um, how long ago did Pandora open? A year ago. A year ago. A year ago. Yeah. Um, the waits are still crazy. And the waits are still as bad as they were when it opened. Uh, maybe a little bit less, but still you're talking, you're talking about two, three-hour waits for Flights of Passage, mm-hmm. uh, two-hour waits for uh, Navi River Journey. Um, so, uh, you know, if you want to wait a couple years... I think really it's going to be more about how effectively you plan and utilize fast passes and things of that nature. Anybody else disagree? That's that's almost like you know asking when you know should I wait for when the crowds die down? Um, I don't think the popularity is going to go away. Mm -hmm. I mean, when if there's an attraction that's popular, it's going to stay popular with Mm -hmm. ever you know even for return visitors, but. You know, I, I I was gonna say the same thing. It's like look at Space Mountain. Space Mountain opened in 1975, and you can still get on peak days like and through two hour waits or whatever. So, uh, 
I don't think there is really a time. I, the only thing I would say maybe is that when the next new shiny thing opens up, so mm-hmm. I'm guessing for Pandora's sake, maybe when Star Wars opens up, maybe the crowds will get a little bit, uh, go down for Pandora. So maybe this along the same lines after Star Wars Land, if there's another big announcement that Disney has, whether that's a fifth gate or another really exciting thing that they open, maybe that would help Star Wars. But I don't know other than that. Um, I think that's a great idea for attraction. The next new shiny thing, <laughs> and just uh, I think the crab from Moana <laughs> just sings his song the whole time. <laughs> All right, what else you got? Um, I can't find this. Well, I found it before, but they essentially asked, and I like this question. So I'm sorry that I can't find your name now. But th- they said um, the way that Disney's going in all these new IPs and all this exciting new stuff. Do we like that direction more, or do we miss like the old Disney? And we said that there's not stuff with like Haunted Mansion and, you know, pure Disney attractions. And does that sadden us at all that they're kind of moving away from? I think that's just the thing. I think that's I don't I, I we've had this discussion before. I think everybody likes the idea that like, oh, another Haunted Mansion or another Pirates would be great. But Disney has in my entire lifetime been always about synergy and that was when i remember getting trained at disney we had like hours where they were like this is what synergy is and this is how we use it in this company and and remember why you know remember that it's sleeping beauty castle in disneyland for a reason um you know it was that that movie was coming out and he wanted that tie-in with that intellectual property so it's not like Disney, you know, all of a sudden just started relying on IP. Now, is it getting IP heavy? Which somebody could take that and run yeah. with it. IP well, heavy. But, um, <laughs> you just did. You just, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, that, that an argument could be made there. So I understand the... the I think it's, it's like, like going jumping on what you're saying about the castle. And the, okay, so in 1955, when Disneyland opened, the, the library that they had in TV and movies was this big. And now it's 2018. And not only is Disney's own library and television thing like this big, but they also just acquired these other ones that are this big and this big and this so big. So Pixar, Marvel, yeah, Lucasfilm. So th- this stuff that they didn't they didn't used to own. Yeah. They hadn't created as many stories as they currently have. They'd only been, I mean, Disney had only been doing his thing for about like 30 some odd years at that point, or, you know, 40 years. So it's like now it's been, we're nearing like a hundred years later. And uh, but, but from that, sorry to, to, to kind of go against that, but from that we got probably the most iconic tra- attractions at, in the Disney parks that we have are not IP based. But because uh, what I'm saying is because there was nothing else. That yeah, I, yeah, right, but, but don't you think that that was kind of a good? Sorry, no, don't yeah. you think that that was kind of a good thing though? That because of that limitation, then they created pirates. They created. I, I think they just learned how to tell stories across multiple multiple mediums at once. It was yeah. yeah and uh, sorry, Charles. I know you're trying to get in. I'm going to let you go. Thank you. I'm going to let you finish. No, uh, just... No, I'm going to let you finish. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just uh, just going forward, it's how we're defining IP right now. We're saying intellectual property is just something that's a movie or TV or anything like that. But let's remember, an attraction that you later base movies off of is also intellectual property. If Disney invented it and it's trademarked and everything Mm -hmm. like that, it's intellectual property. So, but... It's what you do and uh, what you do with intellectual property, right? Because so technically, pirates yeah. is IP now, yeah. And, and so is uh, Haunted, Haunted Mansion. Mansion and yeah. So what they're doing and what Disney's going to continue to do, and this is the way that the world works now, is with every IP, they get as much from it as possible. So mm-hmm. if a ride has been built, that becomes a movie and a story in a video game. If a movie, if a movie comes out, that becomes a ride. It's taking one story. Disney is about storytelling. It's taking one story whether it initially started as a ride or not, and then creating a broader intellectual property around it. So if they wanted to do an original attraction, let's say you wanted something like Jungle Cruise that is now becoming a movie, Haunted Mansion, which is going to get another movie, Pirates of the Caribbean, which has a series of movies. Tiki Room has a comic book. Yeah, if you wanted to do a new original Disney ride, do you think that Disney is going to build that attraction and then hold off on capitalizing on a movie about it or on on a TV show or video games? That would be ridiculous and inefficient. And so even original, even original Disney stuff, if you don't want to be Star Wars or Marvel, yeah. it's still going to be a broader intellectual property that's going to have cartoons or movies or something. And at the end of the day, um, this whole thing about you know IP and all that stuff, 
the, I think really the only thing that matters is it is it any good? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it a good attraction? You know, what do you go to Disney World for? You know, it's it's really you know we may joke you know among Disney fans that it's a it's a pilgrimage to Mecca. But in fact, we're going on vacation and we're going to ride rides and have a good time mm-hmm. in a theme park. So what really matters isn't whether or not it's you know intellectual property based or you know it's a it's an original creation from Imagineering. Mm-hmm. And your point is really well taken, Charles. That anything that works is going to get serialized in terms of either a movie or a television show or a video game. So I, I think at the end of the day, it just comes down to. Not what the genesis of the attraction is, per se, or what its ownership or, or provenance is, um, but is it any good? Flight of Passage is a good, good example. Go ahead. I, I want to also kindly remind, too, when people get all upset about intellectual properties being used in the parks now, you have to think about the Imagineers back then, the ones who created Pirates of the Caribbean, Haunted Mansion, uh, all, all, of, all of the attractions that we're kind of talking about. We wish there would be more original ones. These were all movie makers who were then thrust into the position of being theme park designers mm-hmm. under Walt Disney. So it's also a different breed of Imagineer. They were paving the way. And so then you have that next generation of people like Tony Baxter, who learned directly from these original ones. So he took some of their their ideas in essence. But now the ones that we have today, a lot of them were inspired by also growing up with Walt Disney movies, just movies in general, and a broader scheme. So it, it's a complete different. I don't think it's anymore. It's you have these people who wanted to be filmmakers who ended up in Imagineering. That's not your average Imagineer anymore. I think it's people who want to become Imagineers or work in theme park design that are the ones who are ending up there. So it makes sense that different things are coming out now. All right, good question. What else you got? All right, I miss PI. Jim asks, uh, with the addition of the new parking fees, does he think it's laying the ground, or would that be laying the groundwork for a resort fee coming to the Walt Disney World resorts? I think uh, I think it's only a matter of time. Absolutely, um, I'm surprised it took them this long to do the parking fees. Um, and I know the argument is made, and I've made the argument myself that you know all resorts, uh, all resorts charge parking and resort fees. Now it's not unusual. Um, not all resorts charge what Disney charges, and not all resorts have the ancillary costs associated with being there that Disney has in terms of not only, you know, if you're at one of their resorts, you pretty much have to buy a ticket into their theme parks, too. Um, so um, do I think that's coming? Yes. Do I think they'll be the chorus of, of howling? Yes. Um, do I think people are going to pay it? Yes. So I think you're. I, I think yes, very likely, within the next twelve to eighteen months, hmm. uh, you'll probably see. What are they once gonna, the once the once the parking fee thing dies down? What's going to be their next fee that they think of then? <laughs> are they just going to continuously? Because I feel like that's probably going to be the feeling from guests. Is like, okay, they have the parking fee now. They have the resort fee. What's the next thing that's going to come? No, I don't know. That's. But. Who knows? Um, well, you know, well, never mind. Who knows? But go ahead. <laughs> uh, Mark asks uh, if he thinks that if the Skyliner is a success, uh, does he envision or do we envision that there'll be an addition to the Skyline? Will that be, will they expand it to other resorts? Um, and I'll, I'll answer right off the way, right off the bat. I think that yes, they will because I think they found such a cheap transportation system and if people really enjoy it they can find ways to link these to other hotels that they can then up the cost in these hotels by saying oh well you have this extra amenity of having this skyliner coming to your resort so i think if it's a success and it's cheap for disney to build i don't see why they wouldn't expand it i the only thing i would say against it is uh two big things have popped up now recently in the news that has a lot of us diehard Disney fans upset, and I think it could bleed into the the average audience. But right now, from viewpoints near France, you have a great view of the Skyliners, which just looks awful. And it just now is popping up behind Germany, but the Riviera, the new DVC, Mm -hmm. is starting to tower over. Part of what makes Disney Parks so great is the idea of immersion. They're going all in. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that back and forth battle between them and Universal, who can be more immersive. When 
half of World Showcase on the back side, I now am seeing gondolas going past and seeing a giant resort. That instantly takes me out. And well, let me tell you something. To- um, the the days of uh, line of sight immersive theming ended when you could see the tangled uh, the tangled tower from Liberty Square. Um, that has you know you're in yeah. Liberty Square. You're walking up to the haunted mansion, which is supposed to be like you know New York on the Hudson. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and there is. A ta- the, the tower from Tangled right in right over Memento Mori. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, it was the most obvious example to me that Imagineering and Disney had just completely given up on that line of sight theming. And so now what you're talking about, yeah, it, it's... It's a bad show, and I think eventually people will start to pick up on the fact that it is bad show you know they look first they start with the small things looking at trash on the ground uh seeing if things aren't well kept and then you start looking at the bigger ideas and like okay is this really is this really adding to my experience seeing all this crap in the background for me that that would kind of kill it and, and I'm I, sure think, it will. I think the way you started it was great because you said you know for us diehards we see that um you know, but there's also these complaints about bus wait times and transportation. So Disney, they're like, okay, do we deal with these complaints about you know all these transportation hurdles that everybody goes through, or are we gonna just keep our our line of sight? Now it's always gonna bother me. I still point with two fingers from being a cast member. <laughs> I'm always gonna be a cast member and still um, throw something away and and make sure people aren't smoking. What? Is that a new wedding ring? No, no, no. I, I, I try to be married on both hands because <laughs> girls be crazy. I gotta see that. I gotta see that. Let me see. Yeah, it's that's good. beautiful. Yeah, thanks. Julie bought it for me. But um, oh, where where was I at? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, 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 that. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I, I'm, yeah. I, I'm, I'm like Teresa with jewelry. Okay, <laughs> see something shiny in front. Oh, it's a pretty ring. Yeah, but but I, I definitely see where you're coming from, Craig. Like the, us diehards are always going to see that. I'll never look. I'll never be able to look past the the, the gondolas going yeah. back and forth behind Germany or, mm-hmm. or France. But some I, people may never notice it. I also think that you know who, who knows if they just haven't done this yet. But they just look like giant metal telephone poles going up with you know more rigs at the top because of the skyliner but they should at least paint them or something make them look like blend the sky in or blend in with the trees or something i don't know what they could happy do, clouds but it, like put in a minimal effort to to have them blend in more but i don't know then it'll just never get repainted down the line so why waste the time off of that <laughs> too real all right one more uh stefan uh, i won't say his last name but uh i've never been so i'm actually curious about this too what's so special about club 33 when you're there what's so special about it i'll tell you right now okay first of all it was like the best meal i've ever had like maybe period mm-hmm. in a restaurant it's and, phenomenal yeah. the food's it's, amazing yeah it's just also it's such a cool idea of like i love the idea of this secret hidden hideaway like you know that you can go up and that you know that especially at disneyland i can't speak for the ones that aren't done yet but like you were somewhere that like walt kind of was up there and moving around and doing stuff up yeah. there and it's it's just it's a very elegant kind of experience that I don't think you truly understand it till you have it. It's and a, that cunt- it's a country club inside of mm-hmm. an amazing theme park what? is really what it is. I mean, you want to talk about level of immersion, right? And this is one of the things that I like. Exclusivity is awesome and it's cool and everything like that. But being lucky enough to go up in there, right? You, you eat this uh, exquisite meal uh, and you can walk outside and you're in New Orleans Square and you're on a little wraparound balcony, you know, like New Orleans style, and it feels like you are no longer a theme park guest. It feels like this is your home, and you live here, Mm -hmm. and you're stepping out on your own balcony or a balcony in a restaurant that you frequent around the corner, and this theme park is not a theme park. This is your city, and you belong there, and you live there, and you're a citizen of there, and that feeling is worth more than any of the fanciest drinks or any of the fanciest meals that you'll ever have that feeling like this is your home and you're walking out on a balcony and that this is your city and you belong there is something that as far as theme park immersion goes and that that sense that you get of this is my place that is the most i've ever gotten out of any park and i know that a lot of people when it comes to club 33 yeah it's most people don't get to experience it. And it is a thing for the wealthy and the friends of wealthy, and that sucks. But if you ever do get to experience it, 
that's the benefit. It's not the fancy stuff. It's not yeah. how nice everything is. It's that feeling that you're home that you get from it. And that's the amazing thing I really enjoy. You know, I don't want to go back to doing this every week like we used to, but I think once a month or so, we need to be doing this. This is really good. Um, these Q&As. Um, I agree. I just didn't know if this was like, or letting people know it. right now. Discussion. I'm not making a commitment to anything. What I'm saying, I think more often oh, I agree. we need to be doing this. Absolutely. We haven't done this in a long time. No, but. it's fun. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for your questions. Sorry we couldn't get to more of them, but we do have to move on to rapid fire. And uh, so I'm going to say that so that everybody can get ready. I'm ready. Nobody saw that coming? It's, it's pre-recorded, so we can go in any order we want. Mm. Oh, that's right. No yeah. rules. Oh, who am I going to mm. pick first? Oh. I pick Rhino. Okay, Trino. so... Rhino. Rhino. Charo, but Rhino. Um, <laughs> three new that's your couple name, Trino. Three new bus stations opening at Disney's Caribbean Beach Resort on April 27th. That is this Friday, if you're listening to this on Tuesday. Um, so uh, the new bus stops are at uh, Disney's Caribbean Beach, like I said. The lone bus stop that is currently at Old Port Royale will be replaced by three new on the south side of the building. The different bus stops will transport guests to different locations throughout Disney World. Um, and so the list is at Depot A, that's the Magic Kingdom, Depot B, Blizzard Beach, Animal Kingdom, and Epcot, and Depot C is Hollywood Studios, Disney Springs, Wide World of Sports, and Typhoon Lagoon. All right. Thank you, Rhino. Craig. Okay. So the digital key service through my Disney experience is apparently now live at Wilderness Lodge. So if you don't know what that is, now through uh, your My Disney Experience app, if you're staying at Wilderness Lodge, uh, you're able to unlock your door all through there. Don't have to worry about having your magic band and uh, or if for some reason you're still able to track down a key card from way back in the day, don't need that either. You can do it all through uh, all through your phone, which is obviously the next step. They're always looking to, to up their game on My Disney Experience and the things <coughs> it can do. I think I saw somewhere else that they've added bus wait times in now too so my disney experience got going bigger and better well it needed it all right thank you craig charles okay this one isn't incredibly park centric but it will affect you if you're flying into orlando international airport um there was some uh disputes back and forth oia or mco if we're getting technical airport As names in orlando and orlando international yeah airport. um orlando international airport when um they had thought about replacing the tsa security with privatized security went back and forth on it and now have settled on not replacing them um Airport director Phil Brown cited TSA upgrades as the primary factor in the decision, and uh, I like one of his quotes. Um, uh, ends with, all of us are going to go back to charm school, Brown said, because this dispute was a little ridiculous, um, but they're, um, they're adding new customer service training, and the reason for all of this is because Orlando International Airport is notorious for low customer service and long wait times. That's the problem they're trying to fix, so hopefully they will get that fixed, but they're going to use the TSA to continue to do it. Okay. Thank you, Charles. Steve? Okay. Uh, over at Disney's Animal Kingdom to celebrate the 20th anniversary and beyond. That uh, we just did. Yeah, well, and, and beyond, so you can do this. You can go do this days after, weeks after, or until they're sold out. Uh, they're actually going to have uh, wooden gift cards, um, so not just the plastic ones. There won't be a magnetic strip on the back, so it'll just be a barcode. Um, these are, are there's a minimum of fifteen dollars that you have to put on them. And that's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, they're made from wood. It kind of reminded me yeah, of the business trees. car that Corey has, or like all metal. So yeah, opposite. The opposite. Yeah. <laughs> I want uh, one made of something like ostrich. Yikes! Oh, <laughs> well, uh, we're, we're gonna cut down trees. Let's you know. Let's go all the way. Um. So yeah, that's kind of it. But you can only get them at Animal Kingdom. They're really cool designs. I don't know if there's gonna be a picture over me right now, but they're cool. And when you're done with it, you can throw it on the ground. <laughs> it's, you know, it's great. And it'll biodegrade. Light your cigars yeah, with it. Yeah. All right, thank you, Steve. Corey. All right, a Mickey's of Glendale pop-up shop is coming to Disney's Contemporary Resort on Saturday, June 9th, um, 2018. The shop will be available based on a limited number of one-hour shopping windows where D23 Gold and Gold family members, one family member, 
will be given the opportunity to sign up. Uh, the store is typically private for cast members as they sell Imagineering exclusive items as well as popular Walt Disney parks and resorts merchandise. Registration is required on a first-come, first-served basis um, beginning Wednesday, April 25th, tomorrow, um, <laughs> starting at 1 p.m. Uh, Eastern time on the D23 website. The shopping window is, is going to be from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. that day. Also, um, only confirmed uh, ticketed attendees will be able to enter. No late accommodations will be permitted. Um, D23 members will be required to provide their membership number when uh, reserving tickets. And there are no cancellations or refunds, and tickets are not transferable. So it's some cool merchandise. I, one of my favorite shirts uh, came from uh, Mickey's of Glendale. It's a, a black with the, with the classic Epcot logo that I've worn out. I swear it's starting to crack now, but I'm, I'm holding on to it. But it's a well, cool experience. You know, um, there are some things. You can find some things at Mickey's of Glendale. But um, now that it's become more ubiquitous, it's showing up like at D23 and at these D23 events. Um, I feel like, especially at D23 last year, I thought that Mickey's of Glendale was a real disappointment. There wasn't. It was just a lot of cheap merchandise with Walt Disney Imagineering on it. Um, didn't stop me from spending a few hundred dollars, but nonetheless. Um, so manage your expectations with this. Um, then again, I've been several times, so, you there, know. There will be some items that um, they'll be limited. I mean, you just can't go in there, like grab bag, and then, you know, have an eBay field day, which would people do that, especially with, like, yeah. the pins and stuff. So some items will be limited. So, all right. Thank you, Corey. And that is going to do it for this week's episode of our show. We hope you enjoyed it. And we'll be back with you again next Tuesday with another edition of the Diz Unplugged. Thanks for being with us, everyone. And remember, stay out of the damn lakes. See you next week. Bye.